Well, good morning. We began what we call the season of Lent. That's not the stuff on your clothes. That's L-E-N-T instead of L-I-N-T. We began the season of Lent on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. And in uh, that, we began a new series. Today's part of the series um, picks up from there. And on Wednesday, we looked at the scripture, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we had to ask ourselves as we received the ashes, are we one of them? We're entering a series on the seven last words of Christ. And today we are focusing on Luke chapter 23, uh, verses 39 through 43. To set the scene for this, you... Close your eyes and picture Jesus and the two criminals hanging on the cross. We hear a conversation among the criminals. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looks at him and says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the good news. This is the amazing news for every single one of us are like that thief. We are sinners and we stand in need of a Savior um, might sound strange to bring up a Super Bowl commercial, but I love the Super Bowl commercial that has um, the viewpoint of mothers seen from the baby's eyes. What if we see ourselves like the babies do? You are kind. You are generous. You love me. I am safe. I don't feel good, and I know you're going to make it better. All those things. Today, we hear the story of two criminals who look at Jesus and see someone very differently. Whether we want to hear it or not, as I've already said, we are in the same position as those thieves on the cross. We have a terminal sentence, a terminal condition, all rapidly moving towards death. We're, we're all as young as we're going to be right now, or for the moment anyway. And with every hour, we move closer to the ending of our life. We don't want to think about it. It's a little disturbing, but it's also a tremendous blessing. This thief was blessed. He knew his life was about to end, and yet he looked over and he saw the one person who could give him life and forgiveness, and grace. 
And I think he has some things to teach us. When we are attentive to our lives, when we look and we see and we know what needs to be sorted out, what, what needs to be worked on, that we need a Savior, we can come before him with hearts that are open and say, remember me, Jesus. Remember me. When a person is in the last hours of their life, they take care of the things that are important. That's one of the lessons I learned very early on in working with hospice workers is they said the things that people talk about are the things that are important. It's the things that are unsettled, the things they let need to take care of. As Scripture urges us in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we might live wisely. Keep our priorities straight. Ecclesiastes 7.2 says, Better to go to a funeral home than to a party, for that is where we were all heading and the living will be motivated by it. That's a rough translation of it. The thought of an imminent death helps us remember what's worth living for and what's worth dying for. Suddenly, things that are trifling, whimsical, that are nonsense. Who is Pilot Pete going to pick on The Bachelor? Those things don't matter anymore. You spend your time on the things that are critical and life-giving. You avoid the things that are, that are not. They're not worth the time. And when time is short, we place a greater priority on it. Seems like college students get that really well. The closer the deadline comes for the paper, the harder they work on it. Something like that. It's been a while since I've done it. but Suddenly, grudges, anger, and worry don't hold such a high place. Suddenly, mediocrity is unacceptable, and we start to strive for things that are excellent. Suddenly, we figure out that you really don't sweat the small stuff, and you can move on. Suddenly, cautious living seems silly. There's a parable about a man who um, has so many things that he decides he needs to build a bigger storehouse for it. And he's talking about what he's going to do with his day, and he's like, I'm going to build a bigger barn so I have room for more stuff. And Jesus in this parable says, You fool, today is your last day. That will do you no good. What are you spending your time on? In Ecclesiastes, we are reminded time and time again to take the moment we are given. We don't want to condemn ourselves to an eternity of regret, saying, if I had only done something different, I wouldn't be in this mess. We're all going to draw a last breath. We're all going to experience that even though it's an unknown to us, we know it's coming. Tim McGraw wrote a song a few years ago called Live Like You Are Dying. 
It's a couple of y'all are shaking your heads. You know this song. And he's, he's talking about his father's story. And he, he's, his father has been diagnosed with cancer. And he says in the song, how does it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what'd you do? And his dad says, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I rode 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. That was a long 2.7 seconds, I'm guessing. That sounds like a mean bull. I spoke sweeter and I loved deeper and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. I hope you get the chance to live like you're dying. There is no such thing as too late in this life. It doesn't matter how close you are. As long as there's breath, there's hope. Another reminder from Ecclesiastes. Cato learned Greek at 80. And his, he's known for saying, I'm as young today as I'll ever be for the rest of my life. Colonel Sanders didn't start making Kentucky Fried Chicken until very late in his life. Ben Franklin signed the Constitution at 81. There's a lady by the name of Mrs. Burrell who ran her first marathon at 92. I don't think I'm going to run a marathon at 92, but it's awesome that she did. John Glenn went back to space at 77. Laura Ingalls Wilder started writing her beloved books at age 65. So if you have a book in you, don't think it's too late. Grandma Moses began painting at 78. Don't give up on yourself. As long as there's breath, there's hope. This thief had breath. And he looked to Jesus, and he saw hope. This is a man who, um, by the Roman authorities, he had stolen things. Now, you wouldn't think death for stealing, but he was stealing things to fuel a, uh, a revolution. He was essentially an insurrectionist, a terrorist. He and the other one both were, and I'm sure they saw Jesus in that light. The authorities did. But he saw Jesus, and all of a sudden he realized what kingdom was worth claiming and what kingdom was worth fighting for and who the king of kings is. His hope for eternal life was entirely based on faith in Jesus. In Matthew 22, we're told the parable of the workers. And early in the morning, the landowner goes out and he hires people to come and he worked and they work the land and then he goes out again at nine o'clock and he gets some more people to go and work the land and then he goes again at 12 o'clock and gets some more people and then he goes back at five o'clock and he gets some more people and at the end of the day they line up to be paid and he says I want you to start with the people who got here the latest first when you pay them so he hands out a denarius to each of the people who started work at five o'clock back it up 12 o'clock crew comes in they each get the same amount. The 9 o'clock crew, they get the same amount. The 6 o'clock crew, they get the same amount. All these people who have been there since 6 a.m. working got the same pay as the people who got there at 5 p.m. working. And all of a sudden, there were complaints. And the landowner says, can I not do with my money what I want? 
I have a friend who's a nurse who works in ICU, and she's a Christian, and she struggles because she sees people come in who have led very turbulent lives. They've hurt people in their life, and they find faith in those last months, those last days, and she says, I don't get it. God, I've been doing everything you asked me to do. I've been doing all this stuff. This is not fair. Do I think it's fair that somebody can come in and find Jesus in their latter part of life? I do. Because I'm grateful for the grace that he's given to me as a sinner. I'm just glad they found it. My friend is still struggling with this. She's still working in ICU, but I'll tell you this. Through her walk, she has matured to the point that she will go in and she will say, let me tell you about somebody I know because I want to give you the chance. And she's gotten past her frustration over it and begun to slowly work into a mindset of holding that grace. It is so important to be remembered. Don't you love it when somebody goes, I remember you? Because you realize you meant something to them. Luke is filled, the gospel is filled with Jesus remembering people. Meeting them where they are in their infirmity. Offering forgiveness and healing and saying, you are loved and you are worth it. Brent, I love that you talked about the woman at the well. That's one of my favorite stories. This woman comes to the well, and she is not living right. And yet God meets her where she is, and she's changed. Zacchaeus meets him. He's climbing a tree just to see this man who's rumored to be the Savior, who's rumored to change lives. We are told time and time again from the Old Testament, from crying out for God and help, from the Psalms to the stories. We could be here all day naming those. The friends who bring the paralytic in, the woman with the withered hand, the centurion, whose servant is healed, the widow whose son is given life. So many times, time and time again, people cry out to Jesus, remember me. When he answered the thief and said, today you will be with me in paradise, I can't imagine what the thief who mocked Jesus was feeling. But I can recognize what the thief who was remembered by Jesus was feeling. It's a feeling I felt myself in finding that salvation. And uh, one of my favorite songs growing up was There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. And in that second verse, it says, The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. We all come to the fountain of grace. 
that comes through the shedding of his blood. Luke records this gospel. We don't have it in the others. And we believe this is the last conversation he had with a, another human being. The last conversation he had was saying, you are remembered, you are loved, you are forgiven, and I am willing to die for you to make that happen. Perhaps he heard the stories from the chatter of the disciples somewhere around the crucifixion of them talking about the Last Supper and the table at which Jesus broke bread and said, this is symbolic of my body that will be broken and given for you. Do take this, eat this in remembrance of me. Remember me. Perhaps they heard the stories of the cup that was passed when Jesus said, this is symbolic of the blood that I will shed for you, blood of the new covenant. Take this, drink it, and remember me. And so the thief cried to Jesus, remember me. As we come to this table, we all have a chance to cry out to Jesus to remember us. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we stand in awe of what your son Jesus has done. We come and we see all that he has done for us by giving of himself, by going to the cross, by healing, by teaching, and especially in these last moments on the cross with the thieves, he, he stood and, and though he was mocked, he still loved and he loved us because you love us and you are love, God. So we thank you for all that he has done and we thank you for the Lenten journey that we will be on as we pour through the last words of Christ, words of hope, mercy, grace, forgiveness, salvation, love. I ask, Lord, that you be with us today in the breaking of the bread, in the sharing of the cup, that you would just pour out your spirit on these elements and on us, and that with everyone we meet, we would offer hope because it's never too late. So we come to the table of grace. We pray these things in your Son's holy and gracious name. Amen.